Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Bonga looking to get side of LaFondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Well, last night, let's not dress it up. It was a shit fest. We lost 3-0 to Sunderland and we 100% deserved it. Sunderland were magnificent, but to help me talk me through that debacle is Jacob Southline. Good afternoon. Hello. It's um, it's a sombre mood in Southline Towers today. Um, if I could bleach my eyes and cut off my ears and not have to like remember last night then you know it'd be a good good start for the healing process but my god Paul I think shit fest is about about but about right it was um yeah it was it was not captivating no it definitely wasn't and I've also been joined by Dane uh, co-owner of Phantom Brew who sponsored our preview pod and was lucky enough to uh, be a guest of his in the box last night with Jacob, and uh, thanks for thanks, that. Thanks for having me, guys. How yeah, you doing? Uh, one, one to forget. Well, definitely one to forget last night. Um, uh, I'm yeah, no, actually, it, was, it was one of the most forgettable performances. To be fair, I think the performance was so poor with so lack of noteworthy events on the Reading side. <laughs> it, luckily, that's I think that's the only positive I could take. It will be forgotten very quickly uh, compared yeah. to the Rotherham uh, game. I would say uh, the Rotherham. You've got the key standout points that easy to kind of look back and go oh yeah that happened but last night there was just nothing from the reading side uh being you know there was nothing there was nothing i can't think of a single moment in that game that i thought a we might even have a shot i didn't really feel that at any moment or we had any pattern of play that developed in a consistent basis for more than 10 seconds and you normally you'd say that's an exaggeration you know we always have a little bit but there was just nothing I couldn't see any shape at all. Um, let's go back to the team. This is the format we always have coming in. We had Loon coming back straight back into the team. We had Mate on the bench, which is obviously a boost. But Jacob, talk to me about that first half an hour. It was absolutely dreadful. I, I think mean, in, in in 30 minutes, Paul, we touched the ball about three times, genuinely. Because um it it was the mood was really strange because obviously I'd know we'd had all the stuff before the match, you know, for the Queen and whatnot. But it's like we didn't turn up at all. I know it's like the old cliche saying, you know, okay, they haven't turned up, you know, they haven't shown up yet. We literally hadn't. It looked like we were still in the dressing room. And um, Sunderland got really comfortable early doors, were knocking it around really um, tidily and. You know, they had all the momentum, but then it's like, you know, we'd win the ball back for like a split second and then we'd lose it again. And I know you mentioned the midfield just then, but there was no midfield at all. The um, the defence looked jittery right from the off. Every time Sunderland came forward, they always looked like they were going to score. And um, in terms of the attack, we were putting these speculative balls up 
top to the likes of um Zhao and Ince. Ince who did a lot of running as usual and um and Zhao who can't hold up the ball as usual. And um it was just a recipe for disaster. The whole of that first 30 minutes kind of set the tone and we knew that it was just not gonna go our way like from from minute one. That's how I felt. Yeah, totally. It's hard to disagree with any of that, Dane, isn't it? It was just there was nothing there of any positive to take away from the game from Reading in any point in that game, but specifically in the 30 minutes, it was just dreadful. Yeah, I mean, the first 20 minutes, is, as Jacob just said, it was just someone all having the ball, not really creating anything to cause any damage to Reading, but just kind of waiting for at some point Reading to get the ball, hold it for a, you know, a few minutes and actually just try and get back in. I remember looking on the screen, it was 74%, I think, possession. Uh, something at that point <laughs> so and you're watching it going oh yeah the only positive to take at that point was they haven't done anything with it um and even up to you know kind of 39 minutes i think that that was the the positive you're taking because yeah there was not a single time that reading really looked like they were actually going to you know start actually taking the initiative in the game um so you you're kind of hoping if we get to half time at nil nil that is not not undeserved at the same time because someone hadn't really done enough in front in the final first. But you know, two minutes later, we're two 0 down, and uh, you know, then you also can't complain of being two 0 down either because you're going. We have done nothing as well by no. that point. So no, no, I, I, I mean, when he saw Sims come off, he thought maybe, maybe that might help us, but actually made the situation worse for us because Sun created more movement up front and we could not deal with Patrick Roberts at all. I remember seeing him many years ago playing against us in the FA Youth Cup. I can't remember there's a final or semi-final. I think it was the final. He looked fantastic there and he kind of drifted around a lot. He's been to Celtic and now suddenly he seems to have finally found his place where he's coming alive, which is, apart from last night, is a positive thing because he's a good English player. But um, that first goal, Jacob, um, so many issues there, but we have to talk about Tom McIntyre and what he was doing. Uh, I don't know what was going on there, and no point does he try and to block that shot. No, I mean it's it's a shame because I know McIntyre is popular amongst the fans and he's a good bloke. And I think uh, I said it to one of the, the the guys last night. You do just wonder if he has that additional bit of goodwill as a result of being an academy graduate and it's we, we're more prone to overlook stuff like this at times but god he was shown up for both of of roberts's goals last night because the way he he loses man for the first goal and the way he, he falls over it's a lovely side-footed finish i'm not going to take anything away from the finish you know always very satisfying when it hits the side of the net and it, as it goes in, you know, sort of placed with precision, but it's never quite as satisfying as when it's you conceding it. But <laughs> um, but yeah, McIntyre was never close at all, and um, he was the victim in this match. Of you know, we started in our in our back five as we've been playing for for most games this season, but he was not helped by the manager Paul Ince um, deciding to switch to a back four because he is not a left back. He's never been a left back. He's never going to be a left back. And when we've got a natural left back on the bench as well in the form of Baba Ram, who came on later in the game, I mean, by then the damage was done. And um, it's a shame because, you know, I he's, he was set up in what you would probably call his preferred position, even though he's played in about three or four different positions for us this season. But even then, he just did not look comfortable. And he's he's always got a game like this in him. The same can be said for Tom Holmes. I think um, he's another one who really, really struggled last night. And, you know, if, if, if two out of your three starting centre-backs 
just don't look up to it from the off. And, you know, Hutchinson didn't exactly pull up trees himself either. I'm blaming that squarely on the fact that he's dyed his hair, by the way. And um, I don't know, it's it's it just it doesn't inspire confidence among the rest of the team. And um, McIntyre will know he had an absolute stinker last night, but um, he wasn't the only one. There's a, a fair few that you could accuse of having off days. I don't think anyone came out of it with any credit, honestly. No, I think the only person who kind of didn't come out with a negative kind of balance was probably Joe Lumley, which is crazy considering yep. he let in three goals. But he couldn't do anything about any of them. But moving on to that second goal, Dane, it was just so simple. And it did that thing that we used to do for the last couple of seasons of conceding one goal and then bang, there's another one. So the game is almost dead. But you've got to say the quality from Robbers was fantastic as well. Yeah, and I think... Um... Like after conceding that first one, you could tell like um, Tom Ince was in on the rest of the guys uh, pretty much straight away, as he had been for 15 minutes before, because you know making runs and not being kind of followed up by the midfield, especially. And uh, they almost then tried too hard to correct those mistakes in the one minute gap by everyone just overcoming too quickly, and then just someone being able to pick us off, which you know they did with ease for that and the third goal. To be honest, just. And it's, it's criminal when you watch it back because it's easy to kind of give them credit, which they deserve to a certain extent of how they pass pass the ball around and got for us. But the way the Redden players kind of committed to them, you you know, it was a very amateur standard of defending uh, compared to what we've seen in other games this season um, and just made it so easy for Sunderland in that section. And, you know, again, you can't, you can't look at Lumley at all uh, for the second goal, just like the first one, because placed perfectly into the corner. But... You're looking at Reading going, oh, very similar goal to the first one. What did you learn from that first one? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, well, that is what we kind of like, Paul Ince was talking about after the game. Once we let in the second goal in any game, we just lose all shape. We lose all pattern. We just become headless. We give up as well, which I think is the worst thing you can have in a team, is when a team just virtually collapses on itself. And it's just so easy for Sunderland going forward. I mean... That is not taken away from them. They completely lost us. I'd like to know, Jacob, do you think last night, was it more us being diabolical or Sunderland being good or was it a mixture? I would say right up until the third goal, I was thinking to myself, this has been us being classic Reading and conceding the first goal and like Dane saying, just our heads going and the discipline going and it being an uphill battle. I thought, okay, this is textbook, guys take nothing away from Sunderland's third goal. I mean, that was the goal which made me think, okay, actually, you know, Sunderland have been class here. They could well have got another couple, but their third goal made them look like prime, like Pep Guardiola 2008 Barcelona. It was amazing. Like the the one-touch passing down the right-hand side just tore us apart. And, you know, you were saying about when they made that switch up top early doors and the fact that it might help us. Instead, like they had so much pace up front and they were just really direct and stretched as loads. And like the, we know that we don't have the most mobile centre backs in the world. We don't. Like um, none of Holmes, McIntyre, or Hutchinson have got legs. I would say. And I think part of the reason we play the back five is to accommodate them and their their lack of, you know, natural pace. Um, but yeah, they we every time that Sunderland got in behind, you thought, okay, we've conceded another one. And um, all credit to him because I was saying this this morning to um, the chap we got on the um, 
Wigan preview this week. That's spoilers. There you go for, for the next episode. But we were saying how all three promoted teams, you know, um, Rotherham, Wigan, and oh, <laughs> Rotherham, Wigan, and who else is it? Because um, we've lost to to them all, haven't we now, other than Wigan? Yeah, Wigan, oh. Rotherham, and that's doing my head in now. <laughs> You've done me now. <laughs> I blanked him out. This is um, well, the other one, this the other one is Sunderland. Yes. Sunderland, yeah, of course, right. <laughs> yeah. They're, 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 oh my they're, God. You know, the actual team we played. Yeah, whoops. Like, um, sorry, wow, what a, what a senior moment that was. Um, thank you for bailing me out, Dane. Yeah, the, the three of them, if you look at the league table, have done amazingly. I mean, if Wigan win their game in the hand, they're up to third. Um, Sunderland's, you know, are, are acquitting themselves nicely and Rotherham did us 4-0. So, you know, so far this season, you know, we're 7-0 and on aggregate against the promoted sides. But, you know, Sunderland, look, like they will be fine more than that um you know losing their managers seems to have just not impacted them at all i mean what you're going to get from a mowbray side is they're going to be well organized and latter day at, at blackburn he turned them into more of a counter-attacking outfit but i just just amazed at how comfortable they were last night you know when we lose we lose badly and it's kind of reminiscent of how we were in that season when we finished third under stam except this season, I don't think we're going to finish third, so don't quote me on that. But, but yeah, God, it's you know we're fourth in the league, but with one of the worst goal differences, and it's because you know our heads go, and um, it's something that Ince has got to find a solution for like really quickly. Because even though he's brought in the right characters this summer, it's going to really affect us going forward if we can't you know crack going behind in the game. What do you think we can do about this, Dane, to kind of like stop these situations when? Instead of losing 3-0 and looking like we're going to lose 5-0, try and keep it at 2 so you can, at least you can get... There's a chance you can get back into the game because there was an opportunity for Yaku Meite. I think at some point, mm -hmm. maybe even be a 3-0 by that point. But it, when he's more match fit, maybe he'll be able to take those chances and maybe he'll be starting. So is that the only positive and combined with how we're going to find a way to not turn into shit during a match? I mean, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I think it's just going to be a season that, to be honest, I think is you're going to have, you know, like I said, I think the Stoke performance was just a very good performance overall by the team. Not not exceptional performance, but, you know, it was still a dominant, comfortable win by the end of the game, as much as it doesn't say on paper, you know, 2-1, two, you know, two, but it felt very comfortable. Um, but we've seen enough times this season where these games are going to happen against, you know, I think it's teams willing to kind of give it more of a go. I think, you know, Stoke have had their issues this year. Middlesbrough clearly have had their issues this year. Um, you know, as Jacob said, the teams coming up um, have been causing us problems. Well, I think that's just kind of the way the football pyramid's starting to go, especially like from the top where the teams are having to play a better style of football down the leagues and, and just the landscape has changed. So the teams getting promoted, they're getting promoted because they're playing quality football in those leagues rather than just being you know a team that's able to grind out wins so when they go up the league they're the kind of um, better prepared to take on some of those teams but at the same time i'm sure they'll have their days like Reading as well because of the way that some of them are playing i have no doubt they're going to have a few games where they'll be picked off very quickly go a couple of get, uh, goals down as well um uh, which is yeah you know just the thing you've got to take as a team you know that's not looking to battle at the top and kind of battle at the bottom. I think, uh, yeah, from, from Red inside, I think it's just one you kind of got to move on as quickly as possible. Um, try and have players stay as fit as possible. If Redden's first 11 stay fit, you just hope there's more good days than bad days. In terms of moving on, I think it's made me really worried for Wigan now because Wigan's home record 
you know is is not very good <laughs> but at the same time our away records worse we've we've lost five of our last six away games not scored in five of our last six away games and you know in a match where we really need a response like dane said we've proved that we're, we're not so hot against the teams that have come up from league one if we if we don't pick up at least a point ideally more then already people are going to be saying okay this is the beginning of our slump and this is going to be the the end of any talk about top half and whatnot which i think is a bit of a pipe dream anyway but you know that worries me the fact that wigan is not make or break but a team that's going to more likely than not be down with us at the bottom of the table and it's about attitude the other thing that worries me is the likes of Mamadou Loon who hasn't really had a bad game for us yet he was off it last night and it's the first time we've really seen Loon have a bad game it's so much so that he was taken off at half time you know I said to you in the box board didn't I, I was like, well why are they taking off Loon and you're like because he's been shite Jake I was like yeah okay fair fair I can't really argue with that but um Jeff Hendricks really not been as impactful as I thought he would have been before the season. I mean, on paper, you know, he's, he's got the pedigree. He had a bit of a difficult time at QPR, but he's not really pulled up trees for us yet. And he's probably one of our worst performers in the first half yesterday. So I don't know. It's it's. I know I've got to keep my expectations tempered and I know the, the goal is still to stay up. But performances last night just really, really worry me. Um, and I don't think Ince helps himself either with that tactical switch he made to back four. I know he he probably did it because we were chasing the game and he put Hoylet up top, but it just didn't work. I mean, Sam Hutchinson doesn't work in a back four. Tom McIntyre doesn't work in a back four. It's square pegs in round holes and he needs to sort it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. That definitely made the situation worse, which was hard to imagine because it was pretty catastrophic already. At no point did we look like we were going to score, as I mentioned before. But Baba Ramam, why is he not on the pitch? We can only assume he doesn't have enough fitness, but the only way he's actually going to get more fitness in this situation, it's Tom McIntyre will never be a left back. I've said that. And we both, all of us have said it at different points on different podcasts. He had not got the ability to play in that position. He can play at centre half fine in the championship, but not left back. So we've got one. We need to get him in the team at Wigan. And when you talked about performance there, Jacob, I totally agree. Ince was talking after the game. This is uh, Paul Ince, or Ince Senior, as uh, you'd call him, Jacob. And uh, he was saying that um, uh, as much as everyone's saying that we need to go there and win at Wigan, he said, of course, we need to go there and win. But what we need more than anything else is a performance. Because if you keep performing well, you will actually pick up results at some point. It's kind of almost inevitable. But if you keep on being yo-yo, you don't know. You might stay in that point. How many times can we bounce back from a big defeat and then all of a sudden just get a win? And you think, how have we managed that? Because in my head, I'm thinking it's highly possible we could go four or five matches without picking up many points at all. I mean, do you think that's fair, Dane, or do you think I'm being a bit negative there? No, I think, um, you know, if you think back over the last few years and the teams we've had, think about the run we had under Stam you know before his sacking that you know when you look on paper it was actually way longer than probably deserved based on the previous season regardless of the performances because they were in my opinion not great at leading into the playoffs anyway um you kind of look at this team and go well what does this team have to offer different than those ones and i think well 
I would go there is a bit more of a high point and there's certain players there that just have the capability of doing a bit more than the players did back then. Like when you have Jao, you go, that is a championship proven striker who has off games, clearly like more regularly than we'd like. But when he's on, there are a few better in the league. Um, when you've got, you know, Tom Ince, who's shown this season that he is definitely still a, a good caliber player in this league. Um, Hendrick hasn't shown it for us yet this year, but, you know, the hope is still that his experience should be able to kind of shine through maybe not every game, but hopefully some. So it kind of leaves me thinking a bit more optimistic than when we've gone through the runs in the previous seasons where you kind of go, it's been five games, we're not getting anything here. I can't see us getting it for the next game either. To look at the fixtures and go, okay, Wigan, Norwich, uh, Wigan, Huddersfield before Norwich, those two games are, you know, if we get two to four points from them, you kind of go, we'll take it, we'll move on to the game we're not expected to and just kind of break a cycle of it just being continuous, no no points in a row and then worrying, worrying about when the next one comes. Yeah, well, I hope so. I hope you're absolutely right there. But obviously we do have the game at Wigan on Saturday. I think we're going to move on from that game last night because it was just so horrific. There's, there's no positives for Reading FC there. I can't drag any out. I normally try to. I normally try to find something, but there really isn't. Jacob, how do you think it's going to go in your head and in your heart? They may be two different things here in this scenario. Well, I'm, I'm way ahead of the curve because, I mean, I've already had to, you know, put together a preview for this week, like put my cards on the table and come out with a score prediction. And um, Two plus already for that podcast. It is. Say, I'm, you've got a, I'm on a hat trick. Yeah, you know, you've got to graft. You've got to do your promotional work. Um, it's it's a very much a case of the stoppable object against the movable force because it's a terrible a team with a terrible home record against a team with a terrible away record, which means it can only be a draw, right? That's just how the maths goes. So, yeah, I, I'm going for... I, I seem to do this most weeks, but it's got to be a one-all draw for me. Um, purely because the issue we've got is that usually if you have players individually out of form, you can swap them out for, for players from your squad, give them a chance and, you know, take a player out of the spotlight that isn't doing particularly well. Reading don't have that luxury because A, we don't have the depth and B, we've got like double digits injuries again. So, you know, the play, most of the players that started yesterday in what was for me our worst performance of the season will be starting again on the weekend and they have to turn around that form quickly. And I know we're a Jekyll and Hyde team and we've got it in us, but I'd like to think, you know, if we get pegged back, we've got the spirit to bring it back to one all. Or if we get our nose in front, we can maybe cling on for dear life for three points. I think it's either going to be one all, one one. Wigan's games don't have many goals. They always seem to edge it by a goal at the most. So that's my prediction. I'm going for a very optimistic one all draw. I like it. And I do agree on your little point there that it was the worst team performance because at Rotherham, it was really down to Joe Lumley. You know, since then, he's been fine. But at, at that point, it was just him, wasn't it? So, Dane, what are you going to say is going to happen on Saturday at Wigan? So, uh, from our many conversations, you know I'm quite an optimist, Paul, when it comes to, like, thinking about <laughs> results. Uh, I, I, I do agree with Jacob, but I think the main worry for me is long because in, Ince has kind of pushed that it's unlikely for him to be ready for the weekend, which um, as much as, you know, he, he definitely hasn't done anything exceptional since the start of the season, he definitely brings something to the team that, I've, you know, a player like Tom Ince definitely does, which is just that work rate, willing to do the dirt work, run the channels. And, um, you know, 
when you actually have a team that last night it was very much individual so a few individuals doing it but then the rest of them not if you can get that whole team doing like that i think they have the basis of a team that's difficult to beat so without long it, it, it makes me think it's a it's a it's a tough one um so hopeful of a draw um because the players will want to bounce back and this year they have shown they can bounce back with every kind of bad result they definitely come around the next game um so i i, I think a draw is probably the most likely result as well hot off the press as we've been recording we love breaking news at Bar royals uh eight minutes ago reading fc posted a video on their twitter account of a rowing boat with a reading shirt in it which can only mean one thing is that we're competing in the oxford cambridge boat race this year no it means that um, we're, we're probably going to have acquired the services of a certain Andy Carroll before the weekend. So I'd like to revise my prediction to a resounding 4-0 win for Reading, if possible, Paul. <laughs> of course, yeah, no, of course. Now, that is breaking transfer news. I've never had that before, actually, whilst recording a podcast in all the years. So for me, there's a tingle of excitement running through my body. I have to admit that. Um, but knowing who it is kind of takes it away. Not because it's Andy Carroll. It's just like sometimes we never surprise transfer. That wasn't a reflection on the big Geordie bastard, as we all like to know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, the Sunderland fans would have hated it if he played yesterday, let me tell you. They would have been throwing eggs at him. <laughs> well, uh, how, how quickly do you think he comes in uh, to the team, though, considering the performance last night and well, he's not played since the last season? I think that's probably on the place. bench, wouldn't he? Just because yeah. he's there. I mean, if you could bring him on for five, ten minutes... Say if you need a goal, you bring him on. If you're winning, you bring him on to shithouse, don't you? That that's what you do. Um, from what Insignia was saying in like I think last night or the last couple of days, he was saying that he's not really up to speed, which is obvious because he hasn't played at all. So you would expect him really to be fully fit after the international break or much better. But what do you think, Jacob? Would you get him in the team or just subs? I think the ideal scenario is that, you know, we, we've got three, you know, big injury-prone strikers in the squad. The, uh, for me, just as long as they're not all injured concurrently, you just play whichever one of them's fit. And for the time being, that seems like it's going to be Zhao. But by the time Zhao's cropped again by Christmas, it might be a uh, a two-man strike force of um, a 35-year-old Shane Long and a uh, 33-year-old Andy Carroll. So, um you know, bring on the Premier League is what I say. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, it's it, we finally found a positive to end the podcast with. So I'm pretty happy about that. Definitely, we'll see how that goes with Big Andy Carroll. Um, Swansea will be looking forward to playing him, and that reminds me of the video, um, which is fantastic. If you haven't seen of when he scored there last season, but uh, look up on Twitter, you'll be able to find it quite easily. So thanks a lot for listening. Um, I don't know how you've managed to make it this far if you had, because it was an absolutely dire display last night, but we do appreciate it. And if you have enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks a lot and uh, up the fucking ding. <laughs>